is a country beyond that which is known to humankind. A stray country. A country that exists west of October. Whose borders are somewhere between midnight train whistles and the distant hell of a dog. A country that lies somewhere in the stitched and jittering static between radio stations. A country that drifts through America like a traveling salesman. But every now and then stops to nest on a small town. A small church. A single street. And maybe, just maybe, some kind of delayed radio broadcast you've stuffed in your ears. Chapter 26 The Slaughterhouse Unemployed on Parade Billy, with a reflex left in his blood by some gunslinger ancestor, flicked his wrist, slid his slender fingers to his pocket, which is the holster for every young boy, and flipped the top of the hard back, drew, fired, cracked off the whole janitorial-given pack of cigarettes, all twenty ragtime bullets into the open mouth. Was it a mouth? It looked like a mouth of the plastic sack. It swallowed them all. Easy, the whole goddamn cracked open lot of twenty. With the hiss and whistle of a death row inmate, all shuffling towards old Sparky. Yes, hungry mouth the sack took the drag of twenty cigarettes at a time and flagged towards the ground. Sounding like a million horrible things quilt back together. A scratched record, a broken movie projector, the crack and pop of reels of film in a fire. A convict sizzling away his sins in the electric chair, a broke carousel trying to spin, a yellow newspaper tendering a fire, a cat let out of a bag, the shuck and hum of Mary Brogan toasting her lungs to Philip Morris. A bouquet of mortuary flowers resting on a coffin. A ripped American flag flapping red and white tendrils in long lost July. A scarecrow walking three a.m. streets. A maggot gagging. A fishing line breaking. Books burning. Chewed gum hitting the sidewalk. A fly buzzing. Gasps from a freak show. A baseball mitt. Thrown away, someone reading the newspaper in the other room. But most of all, it sounded like old movies. World War II movies, a B-17 shut down by the Germans. Tail spinning like a broke-winged bird, screaming the sky to fire and smoke and brain. What might have been Mayday, 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 with a throat full of static stolen from the throat of some old radio. And the boys were gone. Revenge dropped in a tornado alley outbreak of boy lightning. Gone, gone, gone. Leaping choir chairs, pulpit walls rolling, smacking, knocking into pews and blowing hymn books by, shaking stained glass. The foyer, the front doors, the sidewalk, the suburban streets. Going, going, 
going, the whole Jesus factory just a footnote behind them, a postage stamp on a scent letter, never slowing, accordion lungs heaving, all the way for the safest place in a boy's whole world, his very own. But the boy stood outside their house. Stopped. Like two frozen rivers, breathing in and out. In. Out. In. Out. And neither spoke. Didn't need to, couldn't, because of the calamity of clanging thoughts, banging bots and bands inside their own heads. Yes, it was when they left. Yes, that much was true, but that word, house. They had both thought of it, house, not home. And didn't that word mean some kind of nothing? Didn't that word mean they didn't own it? Yes, as a child of a banker, Billy knew more than most. Almost no one owns their house. No, the banks own them all. And isn't it strange to think Wall Street literally owns Main Street? Leases the witch's cabin keys to bitter, small-minded people. Isn't it strange to think Main Street was a Wall Street invention? Some kind of money-pressed machinery. Suddenly, the house they'd been raised in didn't look very much like theirs at all. Yes, quite suddenly, it looked very, very unfamiliar. The whole canon of Western culture loomed tall in front of them. The moon slung low behind it. The boys cast in a second-rate shadow. The black asphalt of the light streets beneath their feet. They watched the house like they watched TV. Eyes refusing to blink. Mouths cracked for extra air. The rest of the world shut out. It looks... Jack didn't know what to say. Different was Billy's best word, but it felt like saying tough luck at a funeral. Some kind of shit show word, impolite and oblivious to the whore. Jack blinked. Billy blinked. Both watched their very own house like horror film TV. Why does it look so? Jack fumbled for the right word. Different. Billy fumbled with the wrong word. Jack blinked. Billy blinked. The boy's eyes clicked snapped, took picture after picture of the quiet cardboard house, trying to figure out why it resembled a murder scene. Billy scratched his elbow. Jack watched the itch 
and it's like that, strange, here, in front of a boy's own house. Jack remembered getting itches like that first day of junior high, first day of school usually, first time talking to a girl he liked, first time selling something, first time confessing sins to the church, first time hearing the preacher pulpit pound about Satan's scarecrow press, what printed up pictures of naked women, and knowing at home waiting three such magazines already cut up waiting to be peddled. Jack knew an elbow itch wasn't a regular itch. It was an itch a boy felt at his most uncomfortable. Itch like that in front of a boy's own home. Jack couldn't take his eyes off Billy. What? You itched your elbow. So? Jack wondered. Had he misread the itch? Why he standing in the street? Jack asked. He licked his lips. Why are you standing in the street? Billy asked. He licked his lips. I'm waiting for you. Go first. Jack hide his brother. Billy hide his brother. I'm waiting for you to go first. Somewhere, a single autumn leaf fell. You first. No. You first. The boys eyed each other like gunslingers. Jack squinted. Billy cocked his head. The night watched Mary silently. Seems like neither of us wants to go home. Billy nodded. Yeah, seems. Jack looked back to the house, to the tinted up plywood playhouse covered in the grit and spittle of night. But it wasn't just the night dripping all over it like old axle grease. No, when the warm glow of the windows didn't do anything for him. The blue lights spilled from televisions didn't invite a swim. Hell, he could imagine it by summer daylight and still not want to go inside. Jack scratched his elbow. Squinted the house raw. Strange. He thought, why not say, my house? The house stood silent. I, um, Jack closed his eyes, had to damn the stream of houses with his eyelids. Swallowed, tried again. I, um, don't want to go in. Me neither. Billy said. The house rose on the night hour like a barber chair pumped tall. How come? Jack asked. Billy shrugged. How come you don't? Billy asked. The wind whistled a hymn through harmonica leaves. Jack looked at the house again. 
what had happened to the glossy production values. When had the house drunk up all the vignette and unvarnished grain of a low-budget movie camera? Jack felt the itch stir in his elbow. I just don't. Yeah, me too, Billy said. Jack closed his eyes again, asked the projectionist inside his head to play some long-lost August afternoon, any August afternoon, some summer image of the house. But all the found footage was from an overlit wasteland. Jack opened his eyes. He wondered just when his own house had begun to resemble an out-of-work slaughterhouse employee.